I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by the wonderful Anna Kendrick, who is an actor and executive producer on the film Alice Darling. And in, in talking a little bit about how you went through the script for, for this particular role, you know, this is a character that's been so infiltrated by her partner in so many ways that there's moments in the script where it feels like it is her own voice coming through. And then there's moments where it feels like it's her boyfriend, Simon, and, and things that he's kind of instilled in her. Um, you know, one of the scenes later in the movie where she's talking about, oh, sugar's so terrible for you. It's very clear that that's something that Simon has said to her many times. And there's kind of this pair effect of it emotionally. And so, as you were developing this character and really finding her, I was interested in how you worked with the script to find where you felt like she was able to be her authentic self and where you felt like there was this other version of her coming from him. Yeah. First of all, that's so, that's so funny. You bring that up because the, I don't know if this is exactly an, an answer to your question, but the first thing that started coming up for me when you were asking that question was like, I remember, um, early in the, in the process with, um, Mary, the director and Alana, the screenwriter and, and with, um, the wonderful Charlie who plays Simon. Um, I, I noticed that even when I was just sort of talking through things with Mary and we were just supposed to be talking about Alice, I would end up talking about the character of Simon a lot. And I would end up sort of having ideas for Simon's character and being really focused on getting that character right. And it was so much easier for me to focus like hyper focus on that character rather than my own and my like Alice's inner experience because it's my own inner experience and it was like safer and faster and easier and it lived really in my like intellect to just be focusing on like Simon's motivations and the way that Simon might say something and the way that Simon might manipulate, but this is, you know, this is what's under it, but that's coming from a place of fear. And like, it would just be so easy to get wrapped up in that because that's where I was living for a long time was, um, I wasn't paying attention to my own experience. I was just paying attention to the, my partner's experience and, um, trying to kind of manage that and predict, um, what, he might think or what he might say. And so even starting this process, um, it was a challenge for me to like relinquish the wanting to micromanage Simon as a character, because I spent so long kind of micromanaging my partner so that I could get safety if that makes sense. So it was really scary to even go into, um, Alice's experience. And then as, you know, as you're talking about, try to figure out what was Simon and, and what was her. And, um, at this point, you know, I think Alice doesn't really know what's, what's her. And, um, but then there were, so finding like who she was like underneath all of that was certainly challenging, but, uh, there were also like little things I, I remember setting up to do um, a shot where I was supposed to be in, in a hammock, just thinking we were like any time that we weren't shooting, um, if we were waiting on something, um, Mike, the DP would just grab the camera and Mary and I would just like run off somewhere and I would like change my shirt really quickly and we would steal just like a shot of Alice doing something, you know, because we knew that the audience would need to spend time alone with her to um, to invest in her. And, um, and Mary handed me a, a book. She was like, oh, maybe you're reading in the hammock. And like, without even thinking about it, I was like, oh, I would absolutely have a book because I would go to the hammock with the intention of reading a book, but I wouldn't be reading the book. I would just be sort of sitting and staring into the middle distance because 
uh, you're so you're in such a heightened like limbic state that you can't read, you know, and it was weird to just know those things so instinctually and it was valuable to the film, but it also really helped me to understand um, that's not right, you know, <laughs> like to like to know, like to say it when I'm talking about um, Alice, it was easier to go, oh, that's really messed up for her that she can't read you know she can't like take a moment and be alone with her thoughts and have it be about something other than him and you know how to um how to be better for him um and when like when i talk about me being too um uh, you know, distracted or whatever to read, it's easier to go, well, you know, I'm, I'm just, I was just being lazy or I was, um, you know, just drifting into space or whatever. And when I'm talking about it happening to Alice, it was easier for me to go like, oh, that's really messed up, <laughs> you know? So there were, there was like a lot of, um, information that I was getting about my own experience through kind of projecting it onto, uh, an imaginary person. Um, and so it was like, almost, um, like it helped me unearth some of the stuff that, uh, that I wasn't looking at. I mean, I think in all of that, you bring up such an important point, which is, you know, Alice as a character at one point is like, but she says the words, but he doesn't hurt me. And because there's no physical manifestation, it takes her so much longer to see that there's anything wrong there. And yet there still are physical manifestations that she's exhibiting herself. You know, there's a moment where we see kind of like your hands tremoring at the edge of a shot or, you know, the thing with the hair where one of the very first scenes of the movie is sitting in the back of a car and just like, twirling hair, which at first seems innocuous, but then when we see the later scenes in the bathroom, what that actually is sim symptomatic of, um, you know, it's so much more. And so how did you and Mary talk about what you, what you felt were the important physical manifestations, even if they're elements which are coming directly from Alice as a character because of what she's experiencing? Yeah. The hair stuff was such a, was such a beautiful piece of imagery. You know, that was one of the things that I responded to first when I read the, the script and, um, a Lana is so the screenwriter is so good at um uh, like finding these really evocative images. And you know, this is a um I think analogous to an experience that she lived through, but not every detail is the same, obviously. And and it was, it almost felt like reading a poem someone wrote about their experience, you know, where it was um the truth of the matter was in there, but the um uh, the details are all different, you know, and the hair pulling, I, I don't know if that was something that she had done or a friend had done or something, but I think there's also a, um, I feel like women have a really complicated relationship with their hair because it's this, um, there's a weird sense of like, if you have beautiful hair, like you are a thriving, like, um, shining person or something. And, um, and to kind of punish your own hair feels, um, uh, feels really evocative of, uh, a wanting to sort of punish the self and prove that, um, you are bad. Um, you know, like when you have a breakup, the cliche is you cut your hair. Um, and there's something, um, just really beautiful in that imagery. Um, but certainly I think that the, 
um, the physical stuff is real and it does manifest even if there's not physical abuse in your relationship. Um, like I, I found myself getting sick all the time in ways that, I mean, I, I get sick all the time anyway, but, um, in ways that I never had before. And like my skin especially was, um, uh, I would get like weird rashes and stuff. And because your body just can't heal. Cause you're in such a like fight or flight mode for so long. And, uh, I, just thought that like the um the anxiety being in the hands and and in the hair um was a very uh very quiet but somehow very cinematic thing um so uh, i remember experimenting a lot uh in the first day of camera testing with like getting that right and you know how close can we get to my hands in my hair and what feels the most like i'm holding the most tension and, um, yeah, I, I, I thought that the way that Alana used hair and, and then later the, the finding of this lipstick and stuff, these kind of feminine things being dark and anxiety producing, um, it was, uh, just really powerful imagery. And there, there's a lot that's expressed in, in her body language as well. And the way that she kind of folds herself into his space, you know, there's a moment where, um, you know, it's, it's her and Simon in a, in the bedroom having a conversation and he's sitting on the bed and she's kneeling on the floor. And so that's obviously a very obvious power dynamic shift between the two of them and how they're placed in that moment. But there's so many moments where it feels like, um, Alice just becomes very inward of herself versus the way that she starts to kind of loosen up and open up a little bit more, the longer she's away from him. And so how did you want that also to be a really emblematic system within your performance and expressing her. Yeah. It's, as you say, it's, it's like, there's long, long stretches where it's like her body is apologizing for existing. And, um, and I think that some of the eating stuff is, is tied up in that as well. Um, you know, the making yourself small, it's, it's not necessarily a literal thing of trying to be, um, uh, sort of thin and beautiful. It's more just about like, a punishing your body and B just like making yourself smaller and smaller. And, um, and I actually remember when we were shooting, feeling like, um, very unsettled, like on unsteady ground, because I really like knowing that everybody at like video village feels really good about every scene that we got every every setup, every take, every, you know, um, and knowing that like a thing happened and that means we're good to move on and go to the next scene. And, um, it was very unnerving for me to trust that the right thing to do was to be small and not, um, allow myself to kind of give life to certain scenes in the way that, I've worked really hard to be able to do as a performer and to also to tolerate the fact that on those days, no one at video village is going, Oh, that was great. I thought that thing you did that oh, with your eyes and whatever, like that was great. Cause I know how to do all those things. You know, I've been acting on camera for a long time. So I sort of know what little tricks work and make a scene feel a certain way. And to trust that the performance would be, a whole cohesive thing. And that might mean that for the first 15 minutes of the movie, you're kind of going like this girl might be kind of a wet blanket and I don't know what's going on with her and trust that the audience would 
would come along and eventually have sympathy for her, even though at first she seems like, I don't know, kind of a bummer and kind of rude to her friends. And um, just like there's not much going on inside of her um, that that would be okay in, in the context of the entire piece. But it was very bizarre to not just do the thing that I do on every movie set and kind of get the gold star from everybody and um, uh, be doing something that that people don't usually hire me to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I mean, that's what I, I loved about the movie and loved about your performance so much, though, is all those subtleties. And, you know, you're, you're bringing up there the the conflict with her friends as well that starts to exist because Simon's been kind of peppering all these little things in her ear for so long that's making her question things in them. And there's this really beautiful scene in the movie where it's between her and Tess where they've really had a fallout. They've intentionally been left by themselves, by their other friend and, and you're in the bathtub and then she comes in with a grilled cheese sandwich and they're at a space of friction with one another, but there's still such an expression of love, even just, I'm going to let you into the bathroom. I'm going to bring you a grilled cheese sandwich. And so I wanted to ask a little bit about the importance of some of those scenes like that, because there's very little dialogue, but so much exchanged in that instance as well. Yeah. I think that scene, I think I was supposed to be running the bath and maybe we both sit on the edge of the bath. But on the day I was like, I think I need to be in the tub. I'm in such a vulnerable place. Like I think the um, like being so broken down that you could not be more vulnerable. You're just, you've just completely shed your skin and like someone could look at you the wrong way and it would just destroy you. And instead, like all she does is very gently come in and like hand me a sandwich is so powerful. And I was like, um, and it wasn't a day that we like had an intimacy coordinator there. And so, but I was like, it's okay. I'll just like make, we could just make the bath water like milky enough and I'll just stay really low and it'll be fine. Um, and then like, I think I'd curl up in a certain way or whatever, but it was, um, it was important to me to be in like such a, um, just the lowest place that Tess has ever seen me in. Um, and for Tess as a character to be such a hard ass, like, I think there was also like a lot more dialogue in that scene at, at one point. And, uh, and yeah, it was just sort of about stripping that back and, and being like, you know, I think she just like asks me if I'm okay. And I think I just like shrug, you know, and it's amazing when, once you have the person and Ganya Dio is so talented and she's also like such a hard ass. She's like my hero. I'm obsessed with her. And so to have just that, ounce of vulnerability from her and that care from her, I knew would be so powerful because we'd cast her like, um, so it was amazing to see like, oh, you don't need to say all of this stuff. You know, you can just have these two people in a room together and their energy will kind of, um, work. And I mean, that's what I loved about the script in the first place is so much is not said. And it was really interesting that even once we started filming it, it was like, oh, we can probably strip back even more, you know? Um, which means that there's like, it's hard to find a clip for like talk shows where you're trying to be like, I promise we like talk in the movie and it's about stuff, but it was, uh, yeah, it was very, um, I don't know, scary, but liberating, powerful to be like trusting that, um, just existing in a room with someone and, or sometimes completely alone and, uh, having the camera on you would still tell the story. 
there's there's another moment that's incredibly impactful for her and and especially because it feels like a big turning point in her starting to realize I I can't keep trying to exist in this way which is the moment that they're in the water and she has a piece of jewelry that falls off of her and she's desperately frantically trying to dive into a muddy lake to see where it is and then that induces a panic attack uh once she gets out of the water um and so what was the dynamic of filming a scene where essentially you both have water work and stunt work at play for that but then also it's one of the most pivotal and emotional moments that's a real tipping point for your character as well. Yeah. I mean, I do always think like that's the job, you know, it's, it's, um, it's always great in the bathroom mirror at home. And then the job is doing that and making it real in a situation where you're thinking about 10 other things. And yeah, there are like guys in scuba suits, you know, like trying to hold the board steady so that it doesn't drift too far away from the camera. And you're trying to accomplish all those things while giving the performance. Um, but I, you know, I, I knew that it was like, if I was going to get one moment, right. It was going to be that. Cause I, you know, when Alice gets out of the water and she starts having that panic attack, um, what she says is um, like, kind of like, you don't understand. I can't do another thing wrong. And that was the, I mean, I already was loving the script, but that was the moment in the screenplay that I was like, oh, I'm absolutely doing this movie because that was so true to me. And I think so true to um, so many uh, women, men, uh, gender nonconforming people who've been in this situation. Um, I think that's a, of the, the people in my life who have seen the movie, that moment gets called out a lot as like, that's the thought is like, I have to be perfect because I can't do an, another thing wrong, which implies like, I've been so bad already. And that makes no sense. And again, like when it's Alice, I can see that. And, um, yeah, just like what a powerful piece of dialogue to be like, you, you just innocently lost an earring. That's all that happened, babe, you know? And, um, but really, really related to that sense that, um, everything would fall apart if I stepped off the tightrope, you know? Mm -hmm. And with the script as well, there's so many moments where, you know, going back to what you were talking about with it being a very internalized role and having to make a lot of those very subtle choices, we do get those little flickers of, you know, flashback scenes with her and Simon and hearing some of the things that he's been saying, which we get more and more of a window and and kind of like the more progressive things, which is also kind of feels very tangential to the relationship where it starts very gently and then it becomes more and more extreme as time goes on. And so how did having the script and having those moments and really seeing that trajectory of, okay, if she's responding to something emotionally, this is actually what happened between them that is sitting in her head at this moment, as opposed to, you know, just, we're going to film this scene and she's kind of thinking about some things that he said, which is a bit more vague. Well, again, it's, it's really interesting that you like phrase it that way because it's like, oh, but I know that she's remembering this thing. But when Charlie and I, um, filmed the, the flashback stuff, um, or, or even if there were sort of like lines that might pop into my brain. Um, we always filmed versions that were more um, kind of obviously harsh from him and submissive from me. And we filmed versions where kind of using the same dialogue, I was a lot more dismissive and he was trying really hard to frame things in a nice way. And look, I'm just trying to be honest, but, you know, and that meant that the thing I was remembering, I don't know what I'm remembering. And again, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm remembering. I'm trying really hard to hold on to what I think happened, but I'm no longer at any point sure um, about what really did happen. I do not trust 
myself. I, I don't even trust myself as it's happening to interpret it correctly. Um, so she's always lost in like, did I misinterpret that even? And uh, it was important to me that the movie end in such a way that if you heard, if this, I don't know if this makes sense, but in such a way that if you were Simon's friend and he told you this story, you would side with Simon, you know, because it was important to me that it wasn't um, the kind of thing where he finally does slap her or something and we all get to go, okay, so he was abusive. Like it was abusive before that. And we don't need it to get there for us to call it that. And um, I also think that, you know, the ending feeling like a springboard toward recovery for Alice was important, but Alice will not be okay for a really long time. You know, all of those things were, were important to me. So um, even when I'm, you know, lost and kind of thinking about um, Simon or, and I happen to know, oh, it's probably going to be this piece of dialogue, or I'm probably going to be, this is going to be intercut with this moment. The whole idea is that I don't know what, I don't know what take Mary's going to use. I don't know how I'm going to come across or he's going to come across. And I'm kind of lost in the trying to figure out um, who was wrong and who was right and how I can be better and, and like love the way that that ends up manifesting as like, I'm going to hyper-focus on this local girl who's gone missing um, because it will be easier for me to hyper-focus on that rather than actually try to save myself because I don't think that I can save myself, but maybe I can save her, you know? Um, and just the way that all of those things were uh, happening and like when it becomes too overwhelming for Alice to think about her own stuff, it's like, well, I'm going to focus on this missing girl and uh, that way I'll feel like a good person while I'm at it, you know? Yeah. And, and separately in terms of, of a lot of the blocking of the scenes when she's with her friends, it feels like where you are in a scene also communicates so much. Um, you know, when they stop at the gas station for snacks, the fact that she's kind of needing to take her own time because even just for her to buy snacks at the gas station is a whole emotional hurdle for her to overcome. Whereas for them, it's like, oh, what should we have? Maybe we'll grab this. This sounds fun. Um, and so you're yeah. standing very separate to the two of them. And then even when you're in the house, there's very specific intention. It feels like from a narrative standpoint of where you are, how close you are, are you in the middle of them? Um, and so how did Mary set about figuring out how she could use that within scenes and work with you on, okay, where are you actually going to be within the scene? Yeah. Well, I mean, to your point, like there are a couple of things at play that yes, just like picking out a snack. And I think in that moment, it does sort of manifest as some body stuff, but I think even if it was like picking out which hair tie to use. It's like everything becomes like second guessing yourself. Um, and like, you need your own time and your own space to make this decision that seems like life and death because like, you're just trying so hard to get it right and do the right thing. And that's how you are going to stay safe. And also being away from your friends means that I get to hide more because like, because you can't tolerate, um, being before people who can really see you, you know, um, because it's like, I just will build more walls and put on more masks. And these people really know me and really see me. And so I have to kind of avoid them. Even on this girl's trip, I have to like be 
busy going on runs and like investigating this thing and with the community and, you know, just any excuse to sort of stay away from the people who might actually notice what's going on inside of me, because then I would have to look at it myself. Um, so yeah, that kind of, um, uh, separation was important for all of us and, uh, you know, being worried about, but also enjoying the fact that it is comes across as coldness and rudeness, um, because it's, you know, being worried about it in the sense that it's like, oh, are people going to invest in Alice and come along with her, but also enjoying it because it's, it's complicated. And I wanted her to feel complicated because even people who are in horrible situations, they, you know, they might not act like, um, like saints at any given moment. And that doesn't mean that they're not a victim, you know? And also in, in, in talking a little bit towards spoiler territory about the end of the film, I wanted to talk about that scene where one of her friends has smashed in the back of his car as she's about to leave. And that becomes this real jolt for her. You know, she gets out the car and that's the moment where she's refusing to leave. And, and it's, it's so beautiful to watch the way that it plays out because her friends are literally standing in this triangulation around her as this literal wall. Um, and it, and it feels like there was a moment where like you needed to, it was like, she needs to just make eye contact with her friend, but it also felt important that she did look at Simon at a certain point. So it wasn't just her friend saying she's staying, she's not going with you, that it was also her communicating that as well, but allowing for that space to build up to that moment. Um, and so I wanted to ask you about building a lot of the delicacy and, and finding that time and, you know, how soon feels too soon for her to look at him, you know, yeah. making sure we don't hold it too long. And, and then also just figuring out that formation. Cause I thought that was such an amazing detail in the film. That's yeah. That's really funny. Um, cause I, there were so many, um, uh, moments in filming where, um, you know, Mary had one thought I had another. And of course, like so many films, you know, you do, I'll do one for you, one for me. And you decide in, in the edit, what, what works better. And that, uh, nobody could, I, and I get why on the day, everyone was like, why are you staring at Sophie? What is going on? Like, this is such a weird choice. And I was so certain it was like the only thing that I was like, if I'm certain about one thing, it's this, that like, in this moment, she is, she has found herself on a tightrope of willingness to leave. And if she falls, that will be it. And the only way to stay on that tightrope is to just maintain that connection with Sophie, because like Sophie has done something so brave and so crazy. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to follow you and we're going to get on this tightrope together and we're going to hang on together. And, um, and it was one of those funny things where like, I think throughout the day, every producer or whatever sort of like casually was like, so are you going to, so what's this, what's happening here within this scene? Like, and I was like, I know it's weird, you guys, but it's really important. It's going to work. Please, please trust me. Um, and it was the only thing that I was like, this is the only version that I want to do. And, um, and it was, uh, I think I also felt like such a terrible scene partner to Charlie because Charlie's giving this incredible performance and it's like, he's the sweetest guy in the world in real life, obviously. And I was like, normally you would have a real scene partner. And instead he's like acting to the side of my head. Um, so it was like almost energetically, like sucking all the courage out of, uh, uh, my friend and like being able to sort of like 
laser focus that on Simon for like a second that I can tolerate it and then just go like, and I'm back, you know? And, uh, and that was a really fun, uh, scene for me. And, and I will say that Wumi totally got it. So thank God she wasn't like, why are you staring at me, (laughs) um, in this scene? But that was a really, um, fun day. Do I want to call it a fun day? I'm always <laughs> with movies like this. You're like, can I say fun? I love my job. Like it's, it's, it's complicated because it's some of the like most harrowing stuff is ends up being really fun because it's so cathartic. And I think it helped also that, um, Wumi, Ganyadio and Charlie were just like acting their asses off that day. So everybody was just so honed in. And I was so excited about the performances that they were giving. And, um, yeah. So it was a really hard day, but like, also I had a lot of fun. <laughs> it's weird to say that, like, to be like, I, you can do both things at the same time, I guess you can like both, both are allowed to be true. <laughs> yeah. Like reenact like a really traumatic thing and like be bringing up all kinds of really complicated feelings and also be having a lot of fun. I think like you said, it's, it's also the catharsis of doing something like that as well. Totally. And, you know, you were, you were saying earlier how obviously it was important to build her into a place of, of more hopefulness, but it's not something where just because she leaves him that everything is okay tomorrow and she's not going to be okay for a while, it's going to be a work in progress. And so did you always have a sense of where you wanted to carry her journey to in the film and where you wanted to leave her narratively for the audience? Yeah. Um, I think the, the scene, um, when, uh, we're sort of doing the, with the three of us are the three friends, you know, sort of doing this like hands on heart thing. Um, and they asked me like, did it work, you know, in this, in the way that implies like, are you going to be okay? And that there isn't an answer and how could we know? And, um, you know, I think that there's, um, there's a feeling in real life when a friend is going through something hard that you just want them to be okay so desperately that sometimes you'll pretend it is okay before it is and that they're okay before they are because of your own anxiety. And um, again, like being willing to hold space for somebody and tolerate when like they're really in a precarious, horrible place and that's okay. And not be like, but you're going to be fine. Um, is one of the hardest things to do. Like, how crazy is that? That like one of the hardest things to do as a friend is to stay with someone in a space where they do not yet know if they're going to be fine. And, um, I think that scene is really powerful because we get to leave on a little bit of a note of, I, we don't know if she'll be fine. And her friend's just live with that, you know, and they don't try to like fix it and, um, you know, tell her that like time will heal all or something like that. And, um, that scene, uh, I think is really beautiful and, and helpful. And then also, of course you do want, um, to have a moment where Alice is like in her body and, you know, alone, sort of alone with her thoughts, the way that she's been alone with her thoughts throughout the whole movie, but actually focusing on herself and her experience. And, um, uh, and I think originally there was, um, there was, we were trying to figure out something with like a, um, a water snake or, or something. I, I never know if you should talk about like versions of the movie that existed before the final thing. Cause you want to be like, Oh, it was all the master plan. And it was, of course it was always this. Cause like, but you know, the things change and you find things that are totally 
fascinating and beautiful in a different way. But originally there was something with like a water snake, but then you realize like controlling and training a water snake doesn't happen. So, you know, we just made it sort of about, um, the water. And I think that's another reason why I was like, oh, when Ganyadio brings me the sandwich, I have to be in the bathtub. You know, I have to like be sort of um, willing to get into this more vulnerable state and um, and unwilling in so many other places in the movie. So, um, yeah, that just kind of risk of like dropping into the amount of grief and pain uh, I think, you know, jumping into a very cold lake, um, is, uh, is a, is a really beautiful piece of imagery. And, um, you know, I'm glad that it didn't end on like a kind of serene smile or something like that. Um, it's, uh, you know, just the discomfort of being, um, underwater and then coming up for air. But, uh, also I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's the final shot or the penultimate shot, but uh, we did do some like real water work where we had two guys in, you know, scuba suits for safety and stuff. But I think at least the second to last shot, we we stole because the place I happened to be staying was um, by the lake. And so the cinematographer came over with a camera and he bought a fish tank at Walmart and this is the high tech secret of that underwater shot that is like the final frame of the movie. Um, he bought a fish tank at Walmart and put the camera in the fish tank. And I just went in the lake in like my bra and we like did three takes of that shot. And that's what's in the movie, which I I like I actually love that kind of thing that it it like wasn't exactly what we all pictured it to be when we were shooting it the right way, you know, on the, the one day that we had allotted to shoot the water stuff. And so it was like, well, I guess after work, um, you know, there's, uh, I think Mary and, uh, Mike, the cinematographer and I were kind of like wink, wink, like for this short film that we're also shooting on the side, um, because it was obviously like very much after hours and on the DL. Um, and like, that that's sometimes how you have to tell a story when you don't have the the resources to just like get the whole water team back, you know? No, I, I love details like that in, in how films end up coming together. And I think it's, it's so beautiful what this film has been able to accomplish in terms of the way this story has been told. And I love everything that you've been able to bring to this, this role and this character. So thank you so much for, for such a great film. And thank you so much for talking about it. Really appreciate it, Anna. Thank you so much.